we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. It is an insider look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on hot topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Teledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Based on the Wired cover story by Jason Parham and directed by Princess Penny. Executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter. A People's History tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change, while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. If you were there for Meet Me in Temecula or Thanksgiving Clapback, you need to see this series. If you weren't there, time to dive in. Watch how Black Lives Matter grew and gained force because of the voices on Black Twitter, bringing these issues to the forefront like never before. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my PrevNA 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Wake that ass up Early in the morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest joining us today. Yes, indeed. We got Royce the Five Nine. Welcome back, brother. What's up? What's up? What's up? Who else we got, Royce? Royce? It's my brother Courtney Bell. Mm-hmm. Peace and love. Peace oh, this Courtney Bell. Yes, yeah, sir. my longtime friend and partner, Kino. Kino. Mm-hmm. We are. We are talk to many times. Before. 
Kino, Kino and Royce looking very uh, slim and vegan, man. What, what, what's up? <laughs> nice, healthy-looking lifestyle on y'all brothers, I can oh, see. Yeah, definitely a healthy lifestyle. Not not quite vegan yet, though. Mm-hmm. Not quite vegan yet. I'm not all the way converted, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm getting there. Almost there. I'm getting so there. What you I'm been up to, Royce? How's everything been? I've been adjusting, man. Adjusting to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's a tough time. You know what I mean? So I've been trying to keep myself mentally, mentally stable. Mm-hmm. I'm learning about myself. I'm learning. Uh, the biggest lesson I learned about myself is I, I don't need to be speaking all the time. Mm. I don't always. I don't always need to be saying stuff. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's. I'm trying to get my filter together. I'm trying to protect, learn how to protect my energy, especially on like Instagram, mm-hmm. my timeline. What what to look at? What mm-hmm. should I just not look at? Correct. You know what I mean? So that's the biggest adjustment that I've been making. And then music. You know, I'm always making music. So. You know, so right now we got a project called The Heaven Experience where I actually I took over ownership of a lot of my masters from back, dating back, mm-hmm. you know, which is I feel is super important now. You know, I feel like the artists, all artists should look at every song like a straight up asset. You mm-hmm. know, we got all of these companies that for the most part don't even need to even know about music anymore. Mm-hmm. They're just looking at it like an investment, which it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So now is the best time. To, to make sure that you got ownership and make sure that you can um, figure out new things to be able to do with the masters when you get them. That's what a lot, a lot of people say. You know, people want their masters. They want their ownership. But don't know what to do with but them. don't know what to do when they get them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So what's the purpose of having them? And you don't know what to do. It. You don't know how to monetize them. Well, think about this. Remember when it used to just be physical, just physical copies. You know, you sell Correct. it. It sells in the store one time and that's it. Mm-hmm. Now, when you upload it to the streaming platforms, it may not pay out in one big ass lump like it may have before, but it's, it exists now. Mm-hmm. It's, just, mm-hmm. it's just present. You know what I'm saying? So think about it. A lot of these companies, they're buying up all of these masters, they're signing up all these artists, even at the lowest level. But then, you know, it's all catalog and it all adds up. You know what I mean? So. I think it's key to just make sure that you have as many things on platforms as possible. And then, you know, other conversations can be opened up. So that's why this is happening, right? Because I'm looking at you like you got 15 songs, 10 of them are best of, basically, right? Yeah. So is this why this trend of artists dropping projects with uh, catalog, is that why this is becoming more popular? Just because people are getting their masters back? I'm not sure. I can't speak Mm -hmm. for anybody else. I know with me, with me, as soon as I got them, the first thing I wanted to do because we had to take them down, mm-hmm. get them, and then now we, we need to put them back up so gotcha. that they're there. You know what I'm saying? And then from there, you know, we can have sky's the limit on what the conversation could be. You what know was the what process mean? of getting it back? Was it, you know, some people have to wait a certain amount of time. Some people had to pay. Some mm-hmm. people, it was just a conversation. So what was the process with you getting your master's back? All of the above. <laughs> All of the above. Conversation, but time, you, and Yeah, pay. yeah. But, you know, when you, when you have, <clears throat> when you sign, you know, from our era when we did deals, it was standard for for the for, for the labels to have control of the master for like seven years, mm-hmm. something like that. You know what I mean? So some of it was just waiting out to seven years, going back and getting them. And then it's a process too. After that, so you know you got to go through a whole process after that. And then some of it was, oh, let me buy that back. Mm-hmm. And then some of it, you know, it was all three. You know what I mean? So I'm constantly on that grind. Like I want everything. I want everything that I've ever done. You know. And then moving forward. Obviously, Keno and I are way more in the know now. So moving forward, it, there's no deal that we don't know how to do. Do you talk, do you talk to a lot of the Detroit artists? Because Detroit is a new wave of, of artists coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
do you get a chance to speak with the, the younger artists and say, hey, this is how you should be signing your deals? Or is it one of those things when you're young, you're like, ah, oh, fuck that. We know what we're doing anyway. Nah, I, I speak to him as much as I can. This is one of them. Okay. <laughs> this, this dude is like enlightened beyond his years. Mm-hmm. He's not, he's non-problematic, but um, there's a few artists, a few young artists in my studio that I kind of mentor, not to the degree of him, mm-hmm. but um, there's a lot of companies, I call them like middleman, middleman guys. You know what I mean? Like they, they come with a bag of money. Um, they don't have much to offer. But since they have money up front and they're catching these guys at a time where they kind of need money or mm-hmm. they feel like that they need money, um, it's already in the contract. I actually read somebody's proposal and it said, um, we will have ownership of the master in perpetuity mm-hmm. and then we'll we'll split everything 60-40, 60 us, 40 you, and give you a $5,000 advance. And um, he was thinking about signing that. For five thousand dollars, God damn! Because as an opportunity, though. yeah, because we don't for five thousand. Number one, we program to think short sighted. Correct. Definitely, we have no kind of like idea of how to place value on that master so early on. We don't know what it's going to be worth until it comes out, and then it goes, mm-hmm. and then it's like, damn, okay. Now I know a little bit more. Correct. Now I want to go get the master back. Now mm-hmm. it's the same old song and dance publicly from a public platform. You bashing some company or something like that, right. which that shit don't look good either. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but you get it. I get it. You understand. You signed that deal for 5000 right? And this, mm-hmm. is what, this is what most people Not probably think. Not five, though. It was 50. If it was something that somebody could see they, that they've never seen before. This is what they're thinking, though. You, you make one hit. The label puts out that one hit. Now you're making. Remember, artists don't make $5,000, $10,000 a show if they got a hit. They're making forty, fifty, sixty thousand a show. Very rare. No, a lot of very more, more rare, artists man. Think, more artists you think make eh. 20, 30, 40, 30, I think it's I think it's probably less than one percent. Conversation on the way to, on the way here. I'm I'm I'm. We were looking at um the the, the Ja and Irv interview. Mm-hmm. And we was talking about Irv's position, and I honestly see Irv's position on it. I see label's position. On it. That's probably why we we balance the way we do. If I'm a label or or if I'm a person I, and I give you five grand and it goes nowhere, you don't owe me that five grand back. Correct? Yeah, right. You, you but, know when, I, but when it goes somewhere, it's an investment. You invest in Apple. Apple don't get to come to you and say, "Well, we're gonna take our stocks back because we're making too much." It's a deal. The problem is we don't always understand the complexity of the deals because we don't come from homes where. That type of business is discussed. But you True. can't be mad because you can't be mad. You, at it. you, you have to have a, an attorney. So that means your attorney looks over that paperwork in most cases. Yeah, but the, your attorney is their attorney. That's right. We got. We, I give you an attorney. It's just an attorney to label you <laughs> all the time. You can have an attorney. But you know how that conversation came up in the car? Yeah. I said, "Do you think it's possible for me, a black man, mm-hmm. to cultivate a real meaningful relationship with an artist and own his masters?" And I said, yeah. He but said, for, no. for periods, for any period of time, I th- I think so. Is there is there any point where that artist is gonna get a little bit wiser, a little bit bigger, and then look look at it in retrospect? And, and it, is it possible for him or her not to harbor I, some but you resentment? Have to negotiate I, I, though. Yeah, I huh? agree with you. you have Royce. to negotiate though. Like when that artist catches that hit, it has to be a point where it said, okay. I made my money back off the investment because it's not mm-hmm. just five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You got to pay for travel. You got to pay for wardrobe. That's the you're biggest part. Traveling. You're so paying for. What would your shows. renegotiation be? It depends how big the record is. Like for perfect example, right? Sorry, Cardi B. Mm-hmm. 
when Cardi B was first signed, they put a lot into Cardi B. But then she took off. That should have been a renegotiate right then and there. Mm. You got the one of the biggest female artists. I, give her half the company. She's yeah. Cardi B. Yeah, 100%. I agree. That, that's my opinion. And, and no I agree. And everybody, but let me that, once I recoup my money, me and her should be equal partners 50 /50. But then what happens mm -hmm. when you got five Cardi B's on your label? Exactly, and now that's what I was gonna say too about the so masters conversation. It's about the investment you put in them, right? You know, what I mean, I don't want none of your masters if, if I didn't make a large investment. But if I made a large investment, eh, I can see why I gotta get right. it back. Or mm -hmm. we could, we could do, I think, what we all should be doing, which is as the older generation, we need to get through to the youth and let them see it's a different way to do it. Right? Yeah. Cause that's this is probably the biggest disparity between uh, the youth and uh, the OGs that we've seen. Right, we've all come in, we've all had mentors that we've seen and 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 respected and learned a lot from. This is the first time where the youth is looking at us like there's there's a disconnect, and, I th mm -hmm. and we think the disconnect is because as long as you could separate the youth from the experience then it's easier to get them in these, these quick deals and, 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 and take them for, for a ride. And we're going to be held to a different standard than the labels would be. I mean, yeah. it's been like that. Yeah. Yeah. You hear the way niggas talk about Hove, Puff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Don't nobody yeah, talk absolutely. about Lior. Don't nobody talk about none of these labels. Correct. But listen, let Hove do something. Let Chug do something. Let any, any of us do something. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh, man, you wrong. How could you do that? You know what I mean? And but when you invest in somebody, like let's say you invest in him, you're paying for everything, right? Because he's he's getting a start. So you're paying for studio time, right? Mm -hmm. And people don't think studio time is expensive, but you're paying for studio time. Mm -hmm. You're paying for them lights to be on. You're paying for the engineer. You're paying for the food, the per diem, the water, traveling, hotels, wardrobe if they don't have it. Now he has to make a record. If that record don't pop, you don't get none of that money back. So, and but you're doing it on some family shit. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to spoil each other. You know what I mean? And that creates a, a sense of entitlement. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's just that's why that's why I asked in the context of building, cultivating a relationship. Because mm -hmm. you know we do everything on some on some family shit. You know, what I'm so it's difficult to be able to do that kind of business and cultivate a relationship. That's why I feel like labels have existed with the evolution of technology the way they have so long is because they can just keep it strictly business. Is that the other problem too, though? That uh, black executives do do the family thing. We're a family. We 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 rock for life. We bad boy for life. Isn't that shouldn't it just be more business? That's what it always feels like. Even when like you, you look at Meek signing the Ross or Drake and and you know Nicki signing the Wayne. It's a family. Mm -hmm. It's a family when we win. Yeah. But then when you start throwing them bricks out, then it's f that person that you just called your mm -hmm. family. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. I don't, I, I don't have nothing to say to that. Cause, I, I mean, but we, it's, it's, we want family. It is kind of what it is, That's man. where we come from, though. Like, we, in our in our culture, we come from broken families. So the ability to make money with our family, it ain't just music. I mean, it's, it could be the dope game, too. Right? Mm -hmm. it, ain't, it ain't too many differences from the way we approach the dope game and music. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's the, it still starts with leadership. Bro, you know I went out saying? there. To, I went out there when when Puff was working on the press press play album. Mm -hmm. I went out there to work for him, and this nigga had me in a, like a midi room, just writing verses over and over and over again while he was in the big luxurious A room with all of his celebrity friends and shit. And I was just like, man, this nigga ain't paid me. You know what I'm saying? Like this nigga grimy, man. About ten years later, after I was a little wiser. I looked at him in retrospect, man. I had to hit him on the DM. I ain't have his number. I had to hit him on the DM, man, and tell him how much I appreciate him, how much I took from that. 
Like it was because of that process that I started to rewrite in my own creative process. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, I didn't rewrite my own shit this much. Why don't I approach mm. my shit with this same kind of intensity? I pulled that from it and just the opportunity. You know what I mean? Like sometimes, man, we take for granted the opportunity. And I looked at him and thought about how many great things he's contributed to the culture and how how much all of the bad stuff or the quote unquote bad stuff is always placed in front of us. Same with baby. I wish I could call baby and mm -hmm. tell him how great I think he is. You know what I mean? Because it's like every time you hear about these guys, it's all, they, they on drugs. They doing this nigga, kissing this nigga in the mouth. This nigga doing this. But it's like, bro, these niggas been existing since 1997. Nah, legends. Nah, 1997 real. has not stopped. If that was anybody else from any other culture of people, them niggas would be, they would be they running statues. universal. No, you're right. We have, statues. We have to appreciate Even Dame, I, was, I seen Dame this weekend. And I was on a panel with him. And in the middle of the panel, I had to say thank you. And he was like, for what? I was like, back then when I was doing mixtapes, even though it was like 99, I was like, you had an opportunity to do the Rockefeller mixtapes with Clue, with SNS, with Flex. But you said you wanted a young DJ at the time and you picked me. And I was like, thank you. Because mm -hmm. you were cheaper. Just shut up. You know, he was shocked that I said thank you. But I was like, you know what? When you grow a little bit, you, you really understand how much of a... Uh, how grateful it was to have that opportunity because mm -hmm. we don't have those opportunities. You yeah. know? But I will say though, 10 years ago, you wasn't no new nigga, Royce. No, 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 no. Hey. No, no, I was saying yeah, 10 years. have you in the B room now, you ain't no new yeah. nigga. No, 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 I was saying 10 years later from mm -hmm. when that was. Oh, okay. You remember the press play album. Yeah, but even with that, hey, Royce, should, the 5 nine should have been treated with a little bit more respect, I think. No, 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 I was on a private jet with him. We went to town. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. It's just when we was up at Daddy's house. You remember how long ago yeah, Daddy's yeah, house yeah, was. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was, I was, he definitely, when he reached out to me, my man Slam, shout out to my man Slam, uh, Wiz Packs and shit, but he, Slam reached out to me, and uh, I was definitely just sitting around Detroit at that time when he reached out, for was, sure. And I was going to ask, you know, with everything you've been through in this industry, the ups, downs, the groups, solo projects, what makes you want to jump back into this on the on the executive side? I don't want to jump in on the executive side like that. I don't. Right now, I'm I'm more focused on um, mentorship, artist development, because I'm an artist at heart. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And um, Royce hate the business side. He, no, he, no, no, he, no, 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 no. See, because he he on it. Envy, he's on the he's on the executive side. He just don't, don't want to admit it. it. I don't. I don't. Executive side. He don't want to admit it. He don't want to say executive. He don't. You're sitting. You're he, sitting in an interview with your artist. With your artist he been calling me. You he been up here. That's he, kind of an executive. He been calling ruling. me a suit for 25 years, man. Listen, he, he don't listen, want to admit it. Listen, I I love I love doing business. I don't want to send the wrong. I don't want to send the wrong signal. I love doing business. I don't look forward to doing certain kinds of business with people who I have a relationship with. It's very difficult. I'm a cancer. It's very me difficult too. for me to separate business and personal. You know what I mean? You somebody I care about, it's going to be hard for me to, like, this nigga be like, yeah, okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to give him something standard. I'm like, we can't do that. You know what I mean? So that's <laughs> I don't what we, do that. That's what we defer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because he's more, he's more uh, of the business side. He's always been more focused on the business side because that's all he's ever been. He's never been Right. On the creative side, but you got to go through it again. You're gonna have to go through talking to producers, yeah, talking through artists, talking to DJs. You're gonna have to go through the gamut again that people that you think is family, until you mm -hmm. got a new project and they like, I don't know, or yeah. you want to beat and it's like, 
For you, Royce, I do it for free. But for him, you know, you're going to have to go through that again. Man, even when I'm doing albums, I, there's never been a time where I enjoy calling people for features. I hate that part. It's the worst. That's, that's, that's why I stopped doing <laughs> especially, albums. Like, especially being like in Detroit. Just, oh, yeah, I, you do you did mixtape. You did albums. Yes, and uh, that's why I stopped. That's why Callie lapped all of y'all. <laughs> but, but Callie <laughs> don't great. care. That's why no, he no. lapped y'all. He's great at it. He doesn't, he, doesn't mind, he doesn't mind being persistent. I'm from a place where if I ask you once and you say yes, I shouldn't have to ask you again. That's ego, though. It is. That's ego. Your ego get wounded You're one right. time. Now you just want to fall back like, no, if you want something, go get it. Khaled is relentless. He is relentless. I tell, he, people, he, I tell these kids, you have to have a DJ Khaled level of annoyance to make it in this business. I don't even know if it... I don't even know if I would categorize that shit as annoying. <laughs> no, it's, it's annoying. It's like relentless. It's like relentless with this shit. I, I admire it. I it's like, it I wish I had that. Me too. You know what I mean? But I can't I can't do it because I get inside my own head real quick. You know what I'm saying? Like, this nigga know. This nigga know I'm calling him. But <laughs> 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 you, you named this the Heaven Experience Ball One. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Heaven one the name of your children? No, Heaven is the name of my studio. Your studio? Oh, studio, okay, okay, okay. It's okay. the name of my label. Got you. Yes, Heaven Studio. So, okay. Um, it's like a hub, man. It's like I built like a hub. Why you never came to the studio, man? I don't know. Oh, Detroit this is Detroit too, huh? We come back out there. I was just in Detroit drop, dropping off packs. I'm gonna come by there. Okay, okay, yeah. So it's it's like a it's like a hub. That's kind of like where me and him got kind of tight at. You know, I've been mm -hmm. new. I'm always been a fan of him, but it's a it's a hub for artists to come develop. And when I say develop, I don't mean just come and just make a bunch of music. Mm -hmm. You know, like obviously the doors are open for them to come and do that as well, but. Just to come have conversation, man, about life shit, you know? Um, t allow me to bestow some of my wisdom on your young process because mm -hmm. every single mistake you can think of that you're going to make, I made them. Right. Times 10. That's where I learned all my greatest lessons, you know what I mean? And I feel like um, it's a part of it. It's a part of success and evolution to, like, apply that back to the environment, apply that back to the the generation coming behind you. Otherwise, you can't consider what you're doing successful. You what, know, what part what, of it. What made you decide to work with, with Royce? Same thing. I've always been a fan of him. I'm a lyricist, you know. I feel like coming from Detroit, that's what we bred on. I'm a fan of him. I'm a fan of Sean. And even outside of the culture, the big L's, the Rock Kim's, like I studied that growing up. So, like, I studied his cadences when I first picked up my pen. And I respect him as a man first outside of business. We have a real relationship with each other. Like, we really kick it on an intimate level. So, you know, it was divine that it happened more than anything. How do you feel about Detroit's rap game now? I feel like Detroit is like one record away from really being the next city that takes off. The really? next? No, no. Are you crazy? I'm no, no, yo, no, Memphis, no, Memphis no, and Detroit sure. been running <laughs> shit for, for the sure. past two no, years. Sure. Next? Memphis is, I would say this, Detroit street all day long, but Memphis is street and radio when it comes to it. We I getting there though, you know what I'm saying? That's what I said, that's what we, I said. you're one record there. away from that gone because there's so many Detroit artists that's popping. We, that's we missing the mentorship though. We 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 are missing the executive side because most mm -hmm. of the people who became executives, you know, Paul Rosenberg, he's here. I came here, or you went to L.A., right? So, but who Memphis got on the executive side? Gotti, 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 I guess. Gotti, right? Gotti signed all the artists. He signed yeah. whether it's Black, whether it's uh, Moneybag Yo, whether it's. He's signing artists. Like, I, I, that's the one thing I don't see in Detroit. You know, I think so Memphis, many artists in Detroit. You know, I think Memphis had that Detroit might just be getting the independence of it all. Because yeah. that goes back to 3-6. Yeah. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, like, mm -hmm. being your own label, having your own studios, pushing mm -hmm. the artists you want to yeah, push. Yeah, we, we didn't have a lot of people coming back home. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? When 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 Mario Wine is left, you know, Mario kind of left. You know, when I left, I left. Like, 
a lot of dudes from Memphis, three six, Carlos Six July Brody, who who did a lot of puff. Like they went home, so they was able to get what mm-hmm. we're talking about, right? They were able to get. I say as an executive side, but you know, Royce says mentor, and we was just saying. I use the word um, artist development when we talk about artists because I think it's gone beyond telling somebody how to write a song. Like artist development for me has been like, how do you how do you get a hit record and come on here and not go home and die? Mm-hmm. How do you say to, how do you ha- learn how to have mm. the right conversations? How do you get a million dollars and not go buy rims or have everybody else your lawyer account everybody take their money, but there's no understanding of how wealth is created. So for us, artist development is, and I think what Roy says, mentoring, it's, it's about really just giving them the tools and the resources and the strategies. Because a hit record can come and go. Right. One hit record can set you up for life. Yeah, or you just, can have 10 albums and just, be broke. Just teaching them the importance of solidarity. I mean, that's what we always missed in Detroit. Obviously, <laughs> it's a little better now than, than it's been. But this is by far, by far, the best place Detroit has been in. Absolutely. Ever. Culturally. Ever. You yes. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we got so many artists popping right mm-hmm. now. But we are missing, with like what you said, we, we don't have that executive like Gotti coming and signing up everybody, which would help to kind of bring us all a little bit closer. You know, everybody's kind of like just all over, all over the place. Well, Coach K and P trying to sign every Detroit yeah, artist. Yeah, yeah, They're not the only ones, though. Mm-hmm. Gazi trying to sign. Gazi Everybody's, everybody's looking at Detroit right now. Last week I went through, um, I drove through Detroit, I think like seven, eight artists. I went to their each each one of their hoods mm-hmm. just to see how different it is. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that they get so much love in each one of their hoods and all their music is playing was like, damn, they just... I just want to see it go, like go, go. You and know, what I mean? like like Atlanta was. Like I think we're there though. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think we're there. And that's what I was about to say. Like just to answer your question, like before the industry came to the city, because I'm a part of that generation, the Babyface Rays and all of them. We are our own celebrity in our neighborhoods and in the city. Absolutely. So outside of the culture, like we we'll get a million, two million views alone just in Detroit mm-hmm. before it catches and sparks outside of our culture. So like I feel like that's the biggest thing with us and. You know, chiming in on what y'all said, it, it is pivotal that we have that connection between the OGs and my generation because now, being in the age of social media, we in a space to where it's like, with us having that disconnect, oh, I don't need you because now I have money like you have money. I have the resources like you have it, but we don't have the wisdom and the understanding of the business side. And they hustlers. Yeah, they, for they sure. Hu- they hustlers too. Mm-hmm. So they, their concern is we come in and get the money. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily give a fuck about hit records. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think that's... That's why you don't see, you know, songs even structured like they're even trying to be on like radio. Like first day, day out. <laughs> yeah. 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 I wonder if um got a bunch of dope records. Because I think about like Shady Aftermath, right? Like was was that the right machine but at the time it just wasn't a plethora of artists like it is now because m did what he could right like he had d12 he had ob m did an amazing job put the light on trick yeah even when he was even when he wasn't trying you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like just what he did opened up so many doors back then it was detroit was broken down like this you had the street rapper side which was the street niggas who rap Mm mm-hmm Kind of like what you see now, mm-hmm. and then you had the hip hop nigga side. That was us, yeah. the backpackers, quote unquote, from the hip hop shop. Mm-hmm. So myself, proof, everybody on our side got a deal. Every single person from that era on the hip hop side got a deal. It was just our time. 
You know what I'm saying? And um, I'm going to take it even further. Like the Street Lords, Cheddar Boys, Rock Bottom, all of these crews that were making the street records back then mm -hmm. who were kind of in competition with us, they were making straight up club classic, street mm -hmm. classic records mm -hmm. that still play today. Thanks. That they were the kind of records that y'all are talking about that the youngest now are missing. The youngest now are kind of like a derivative of these guys. Mm -hmm. Street Laura Wine, Blade, God Rest His Soul. And um, it just wasn't, the, the game hadn't caught up to what they were doing yet. Mm -hmm. Now the game has caught up to that, mm -hmm. and the door is wide open for the Vezos, the Cider Babies, and they kicked that shit through, and they came stomping Baby through. Face, yeah. But I wish I wish one of them would make. I wish one of them would make one of them real quick. Because if they do that, that's it. It's over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I see you. You have a lot of people come to Heaven Studio. Chris Webber was just there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think J Cole was there once. I think yeah, I saw your yeah, picture in your Cole. Yeah. So what, what's going on? Is it records being made? Like what is it? Yeah, it's records being made. Um, C Webb actually came the other day. He played some beats, but um, we got some other stuff that we're doing. Um, can I talk about that? In the marijuana business, we partnered up and we're doing some stuff. Cannabis. Um, marijuana is a derogatory term. Cannabis. He just got his. Marijuana sounds better, they say. Well, you so, know what it is. Can too? I get canceled right no, now? No, no, no. <laughs> but, I, but somebody <laughs> told me who's in the cannabis business that marijuana was a it was a, a term that white people used to use for weed coming out of Mexico, and so it's actually a. a a bad kind of They look down on it, so your attorney say, says use the term yeah, cannabis. cannabis. Okay, okay, cool. So I say weed. Weed is probably okay. better than marijuana. Yeah, it's weed. Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> say I'm gonna say cannabis. I'm gonna go with my attorney on this. One. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna say so. Yeah, we 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 partnering up on some stuff in the cannabis business. We're doing some NFT stuff together, and uh, we're gonna make some music together. And then he has a bunch of dope ideas on stuff mm -hmm. that we can do. And it was just a long time coming. We met. We met like a while back, but we never really got a chance to connect like that. So um, we spent some time with each other and just seeing how like-minded we were. And um, I'm into that right now. You know, just being around like-minded people, mm -hmm. real niggas, you know what I'm saying? And building relationships and just figuring out ways that we can um, use our viability that we bring to the table put it together and figure out what we can do and just be real creative with what, what, what that could be. They you gotta know, legalize it too though first in, in Detroit. That's wild to me. They got to legalize it. In, you mean fe what, you mean federal? Detroit, yeah. Well, you know it's oh, it's legal in Michigan. No, it's medicinal, it only in Detroit. It's oh, not I thought it was recreational. It's not recreational in Detroit. Oh, okay, okay. No, but it's crazy because you can go five minutes out into the white area mm -hmm. and it's legal, mm -hmm. but this it, recreational, which makes no sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which makes no sense. You know, we don't um we don't give uh, Chris Webber and Jalen Rose and Jimmy King and Ray Jackson and Jawan Howard the credit they oh. deserve, right? Because I I'm not even I'm not hey, from man. Detroit, but I look at those brothers. They were so unapologetically black yeah. at a time when we didn't see that type of unapologetic blackness on TV, embracing hip hop the way that they did. But as a Detroit native, how how, how did that impact you? Man, it impacted me in a way that me and C Webb sat and talked about that very thing you just said for five hours. Wow. <laughs> Them niggas, they shifted the paradigm, man. They changed the way that players wanted to dress. Like, mm -hmm. yo, they were the first ones with the long baggy shorts, mm -hmm. the big baggy jerseys with the shirt, T-shirt under it with the sleeves cut off. Mm -hmm. It was their idea to go with the Harachis that did not match the uniform. Mm -hmm. It was their idea for everybody to cut their hair bald. Yo, they, wow. And they was freshmen. All of them freshmen. Up. All of them freshmen starting running shit. You know what I'm saying? And it's just, 
They paved the way for the they AIs. They paved the way. They, paved, the yeah. they paved it. And, I, you know, we need more of that, man. We need more people, um, for lack of a better phrase, obviously, but to, to kind of, like, give the system a little bit of pushback. You know right. what I mean? Like, it's just necessary, man. It's not, necessary. And I got to ask, Slaughterhouse, are y'all back on good terms? I, I, I don't know what <laughs> month this was, what week it was. I happened to turn it was on early this year. Instagram, and I seen y'all arguing on Instagram. You would have... You you were the middleman. You were the one trying to calm things down, and they were going back and forth. And I just turned to I was like, I can't see these brothers arguing anymore. So you're back good. I mean, oh we never, we never. I mean, I can never say we bad. You know what I mean? Like, they, listen, man. We built. We spent ten years together, man. Damn near every day building something special. You know what I mean? And it just, it, it just ended in a very unfortunate way. But I can't just sum it up like that, man. I can't. I can't, I can't, I'm sorry, man, it's my, it's my doorbell at the studio, I'm sorry. Probably just DoorDash. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I, I, I can't just sum it up like, nah, we ain't good, you know what I mean? Nah, we haven't spoken, you know, two, two of the guys, Crooked and Joel, made some, made some decisions that, you know, we can't really come back from in terms of business, and um, that's really it. The decision was they decided to do their own group or do their own thing together? Nah, they, um... I'm gonna give you the short version. But me and Joe are sitting around minding our own business and we look up and they they release, they start rolling out a project. The project was called The Rise and Fall of Slaughterhouse. Mm. They put this project out and the project is announcing to the world that the group is over. And this is why we had already went through a long negotiation with, with Shady to pull the group off the label so we can do things moving forward so we can make another album so we can relaunch merchandise so we can relaunch everything slaughterhouse and um for whatever reason so y'all were gonna do another album even joe was gonna do get in the studio and do another album at that time absolutely okay absolutely and so the whole album was basically about how joe not gonna rap crooked came to the table with it with a deal idea we didn't want to do it so they over it they're done the group is done and I just felt like that, that that was a hell of a thing to blindside me with as a friend mm-hmm. and as a business partner because, number one, if if the group is going to be over, that's fine. Things end. Things end all the time. Just let me know that. Mm-hmm. Send me a text. Shoot me a text letting me know you're done. Or if you're going to go public and say that you're done with the group, that's cool. But don't just go public and just announce that the group is done. You know what I mean? Like, that's... I expected more out of Crooked. I, I didn't have as much of a problem with Joel because, you know, me and Joel always been been cool, but me and Crook, were, I thought we were better than that. You know what I mean? So it was more of a, it was more of a personal, more of a personal thing. You know what I mean? But I, I can't, I can't bring myself to a point where I can get on a public platform and bash any of them, though. You know what I mean? I got too much love for them. Mm. And I think the amount of love I got for them is what made me so disappointed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it go back to what I was saying earlier, just about, you know, airing out how I feel on public platforms. Bun told me, like, when we first, when Slaughterhouse first became a thing, he called me and said, anytime I ever aired out anything publicly, if it involved family, I always regretted it. Mm. And that always resonated with me. And I've done, I've went, since that conversation, I've went and done that probably 50 times. And I I regretted it every time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so that's one of the things that I'm working on. So to answer your question, no. Mm. No more Slaughterhouse, but... Still nothing but love, always. I respect everything that you said. Um, 
And and I feel like that should have been an easy conversation for Crooked and Joel because Joe don't want to rap. So if he don't want to rap, there's no slaughterhouse. So why shouldn't yeah. they be able to go do their own project? Well, well, it's easy to paint Joe as that because of how many things he said publicly. Mm-hmm. But when we having conference, when we having conference calls, and he's a part of every call, and we having creative conversations about what we're gonna do next, you know what I mean? He was gonna get back in there and do it. Joe's thing is, I'm not. I'm retired. I'm doing. I'm in the content space, but I'm really into ownership right now. I will rap in Slaughterhouse if we own it, but we gotta own it. It can't be on Shady. And if we decide to take it to another label, I would be particular on how we would do that deal mm-hmm. because we already built it. This is something mm-hmm. we built already. As y'all should. And I agree that it shouldn't just sit on Shady. It shouldn't just sit on Shady if Shady doesn't want to release it. And this is respectfully because I love them too, mm-hmm. always. It shouldn't just sit on Shady. We built it. It's ours. Mm-hmm. So when we got it off of Shady, man, I was like, that was like fulfilling. It was like, it was bittersweet. It was bittersweet because it was like, damn, I had a vision for doing this with my my good friend. You know what I mean? But it didn't work out for obvious reasons. So getting it off of there and still ha- now having it back in our possession and having something that we built, the first tangible thing that we built in this business organically, you know, multi-million dollar brand that we built from the ground when everybody told us, nah, y'all been around the block. Y'all can't, oh man, y'all never be able to do festivals. Y'all don't have songs. Y'all don't have hooks. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we kind of like defied all of those odds. You know what I'm saying? So to get to that point with Joe being way more knowledgeable, obviously myself being way more knowledgeable and then just having it in our possession and for them to just jump the gun like that because of a deal that he put on the table, which he, that's never been his role in the group. But I mean, anything that anybody put on the table, I would consider it. But I think that we should be allowed to ask questions, right? All right, all right. Like if you if if I put something on the table for us and you ask questions, or even if you say no, does that mean everything is over, or does that mean we go to another label? We That's hadn't right. talked to any other labels yet. We hadn't even talked to a label in that situation. We talked to a guy who was talking to a label. We never had nothing on paper. There mm-hmm. never was a proposal in black and white for us to look at. It was just a conversation. He didn't like how the conversation went. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he decided, fuck them. We're going to go do this. Do, do you right. feel, playing devil's advocate, right? Do you feel like, you know. White devil's advocate. White devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> we know Joe is doing well with, with, with his content, creating mm-hmm. everything that he's doing. You're obviously doing well. Could it be a, a situation where maybe Joel and Cricket weren't doing as well? Because the group was so much financial for them. I mean, y'all were going on tours. Y'all, I don't think y'all ever really got the money that y'all deserved yet. Mm-hmm. You feel like maybe that was their way of saying, look, I got to feed my family at the end of the day. Possibly. Possibly. And I mean, listen, that makes it even worse. Because it's like, bro, if that's what it was, we who you supposed to have been talking to. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, who who wouldn't understand, who would understand that more than your brother, me. Right. The the guy who been up and down, up and down, just like anybody else in this business. You know what I'm saying? Like I I understand the ups and downs. So if it's if this is a downtime and this is like something, because there's been plenty of, of things that I've done that I've done, because I one of the, one of my rules in the group was I don't like I'm not doing any three man shows. Any three man shows. All members gotta be there. All members gotta be there. It's been plenty of times Joe couldn't make it where they were like, yo, listen. We need you to come do this because we need the money. And I did it. You know what I mean? So 
What is and that? And it was just a bad deal. Like Royce is gonna be political. It was a bad deal. Mm-hmm. They they positioned a bad deal, and they they use a lot of stuff that was happening within the group. Um, it was just a bad deal. But there were times the right person. There were times when when Joe was ready to rap, and we couldn't get Crook to rap. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about that shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like well, that, I couldn't crook rap. Crook, crook always ready to rap. Crook didn't want no. See, see what I'm saying? See, see, people got the wrong impression about people, and that's mm-hmm. why Joe is easy to paint as a certain thing. He's and, an easy target. Yeah, and Crook and Joel look old. like they look like the the blue collar guys. Correct. Mm-hmm. You know the guys who you know willing to roll their sleeves up. Fuck all that. Mm-hmm. Crook, Crook. He had his ways about him the whole time. He always had some issue with Joe that he wouldn't address. It was always in the air. I, I'm, I can't quite put my finger on what that was, but this nigga that made Joe diss records, he didn't did all types of shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? People just didn't hear him. You know what I mean? But he did it. He did it. And there was a time where he was like, nah, I ain't rapping. You know what I mean? Nobody fucking went out and, and put out an album about him not rapping and, and saying that the group is over with. It, it's just, it's messy. And then on the business side, it's like, yo, you, you're not, you're not fucking up our shit. You fucking up your shit too mm-hmm. you know what I mean we all taking the same L together and then you know like during the whole process you painted me at you painted me in a certain light you had to paint me in a certain light in order to be able to do that and I'm just trying to figure out what what did I do to deserve that yeah mm-hmm. and I mean there's no reconciling because I heard uh, I heard people getting invited to the Frank stand on those uh, those calls Right, I never did. Didn't somebody say yeah. SMD on one of those calls? Joel. Oh no, no, Joe. No, Joe. <laughs> one of those, I was no, like, no, Joe, said, Joe said, said Frank Stan. Joe, yeah, Joe <clears throat> said that project, that project of SMD. He he said that project. Yeah, that project could suck my dick. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, maybe it was the project. So yeah, maybe that's not. That just yeah. When, when I started yeah. seeing all that, I was like, you know what? Enough. That was just that was just some Joe shit to say though. You know what I'm saying? Like it was it wasn't like Joel know how Joe talk. You know what I mean? So that wasn't that wasn't really nothing. That was one of them things where you can take it. You can take it super super offensive and personal if you if you choose to. But Joe Joel said a lot of he said a lot of weird stuff too. You know what I mean? Like everybody played their part. I'm I, I'm holding myself accountable for the for the part that I played too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's, it's a little. What part late. did you play? You think? I mean, you're making it hard for me because I don't do much wrong, Charlie. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just I just um. I think I um I did that thing that I that I was talking about. I went on Joe's show and I I was I was frustrated and my reaction to what they did caused Crook to react to how I reacted. You know what I mean? And then what he said, what he said made me block him. It made me block him on social media and made me block his number because I I don't I love him too much and I don't want nothing else to get said that's gonna that's gonna turn me up that's gonna put me up there. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. And I don't feel like there's anything that should go on in the rap space that should even bring you to that. You know what I mean? But we all we we all garden something. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like we all garden, whether it's our egos. We come from environments where the measuring stick the cool is some souped up tough guy shit. You That's know right. what I mean? Like everybody's like, watch how you talk to me, respect me, but everybody ain't being so respectful. I get you it. know, so talk to me about the Lupe Fiasco thing. Cause I, I still don't understand where that went left Blue like KBS, y'all were doing a podcast together the next thing you know is this record's fun like, <laughs> I, I really don't know like I've tried to follow it but I really don't know how that turns into that and at first I thought it was friendly 
Just on some like, Whatever, I'm, 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 a, I'm super I'm lyrical. Lupe is super lyrical. Let's, you know, was, do some records was, together. It was friendly. It was friendly. It was friendly. But the same thing happened. There was a conversation on live stream on a, on a, on a platform, public platform for everybody to see. And Lupe, um, he made an assumption. He assumed because Murder Mook and Loaded Lux, um, one of those guys, one of those guys posed the question who would win in a battle between me and Lou. Now, now URL had already reached out to us and asked us would we battle each other on the platform. Mm -hmm. We said no. We talked about it. We agreed that that's not even something that we would be interested in. Mm -hmm. I never even looked at Lou as as like a um a, a, a that he could be a op of mine. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like I don't feel like that he's that he's that kind of rapper. I think he's an amazing rapper. Correct. But I don't think he's that kind of rapper. I don't think of guys like him when I think of if I thought, damn, if I was to battle somebody, who would it be? You know, I would think about people like Sahai. Mm -hmm. You know, what yeah, I mean? yeah, people, that makes sense. people who more, are more aggressive and you know, mm -hmm. like attacking MCs kind of style. You know, you know, Lou is more of like a cerebral, mm -hmm. top tier, amazing lyricist. So, um, so we said no. So when they when Loaded Lux and Mook posed that question, they called Lou. And, st and start just hyping him up, saying, you know, like, I think, Lux was like, I think you will win, you know. So whatever they talked about, Lou assumed that I was the person who initiated that conversation. Mm -hmm. So he thought that I spoke to him, and we agreed that we wouldn't battle. And then I turned around and went and sparked up a conversation trying to bait him back into going on that stage to battle me. And he didn't like that. But the way he did it, was just it just wasn't cool. Why well, he just didn't call you? And ask you. That's what the fuck I'm saying. So he came. So, so me and Young Guru, we on live stream, and then he's in the comments saying, "Bring him in." So I bring him in. I was me, him, Young Guru. I think Mook was on there too, and we bring him on. This nigga ain't got no shirt on. <laughs> like he he walking around with no what shirt. What I got to do with it? <laughs> he's, he's ready, ready to fight. I got everything to do with it, man. Smoke. You want to smoke? Because it's like my my nigga. I came up with a dad who used to cuss me out not wearing no shirt all the time. You know, <laughs> so it's a trigger of yours. It's a trigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so he's a sign of aggression. So he like he like. I seen it immediately. He was turned up already as soon as he brought him on. Yeah, nigga, you gonna keep bringing this shit up and making a fool out of yourself. Get yourself embarrassed, nigga. And it was just like, I said, Lou. Put your shirt back on. Put your shirt back on. <laughs> I said, and calm down. Now, this, now we were doing a podcast together, and there, there were two other times that he kind of turned up on me. Mm. Um, and he get passionate, and he just start kind of raising his voice. And, you know, Lou... Building a relationship with him was kind of like a case study, man. It, for me, it's like the challenge to me is building a relationship with somebody, coexisting with somebody who you know you, you may have conflicting ideologies mm -hmm. with. Um, it's somebody who you may not necessarily have a relationship with if it weren't for the music space, which I mm -hmm. think is, I'm intrigued by that. Right. Because I think he's such an incredible lyricist and I think he's so different from me, but I think that through through music we can we can we can find we can find the, the neutral things that we agree on and we can also learn to agree to disagree on the things we don't agree on mm -hmm. without having to try to change how each other feels right and you know like to me that's the ultimate way of building solidarity because i think black people with us black people in general we 
feel like shit, we got to be a monolith. We don't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we all pretty right. much have the same goal. Right. The, everybody's agenda starts to change a little bit, and everybody's pathway to getting to that end goal is different. different. But everybody thinks that their pathway is so superior to somebody else's. Right. So, um, and I think music is the only thing that can kind of neutralize that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I like Lou. I still do. I like him as a person. I think he's real cool. I disagree with a lot of shit that he has to say. But so um, he started yelling. He yelled a couple times at me on the podcast, and I just told him, it's not a problem. It's okay for you to, like, cross my boundary if you don't know my boundary. As long as when I let you know about it, you know, you can make that correction moving on, and we fine. So it never was like an argument or nothing, but it was just like, yo, the yelling is the only thing that I'm not, I can't really do. I don't mm-hmm. do the yelling. I don't yell at nobody in my life, and nobody yells at me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's just not something I'm willing to, you know, deal with. Some people are different. Some people are cool with that. Some people don't like when you lie. Some people don't like, yo, don't yell at me. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So this was the third time he did that. So when he came onto the thing, he yelling, and I'm telling him, Lou, calm down. And I already knew. I was like, yo, you think, I think you think that I initiated this conversation. I had nothing to do with this conversation. This is something that they just did on, they came up with on their own. And I was like, calm down before you say some stupid shit. And he was, you know, when somebody already turned up, it's hard for them to calm down. So he kept yelling and yelling and yelling and yelling. And then I called him a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> And that was the that was the thing that I did that I got to hold myself accountable for. You regret it? Do I regret it? I don't know if I re- I don't know if regret is the right word, mm-hmm. but I don't I'm not happy about saying that because mm-hmm. I don't think he's a bitch. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I don't think we we should speak to each other that way. Of course. You know, but I I do understand why I said I understand why mm-hmm. I said it because it was just a reaction. It was a right. point that I got pushed to. And uh I feel like I gave a lot of warning points. I gave a lot of a lot of lead into it, and that's me knowing myself. If it gets to a point where I start getting upset, I'ma just react, and then I'ma go outside of my body. I'ma go. I'ma vibrate lower. I'ma mm-hmm. start doing shit that's not really reflective of how, the way I want to eve off. And I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't feel good about it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel good about it. But I don't. I don't. Re- I think I would regret it if um. If he had apologized, then I definitely would apologize, and then it would go down as a regret. But as of right now, you know, like the way that everything kind of got summed up, it what it is what it is. But I don't feel good about it. See, I haven't spoke since. No. Damn, and it turned into records. Like well, y'all actually going at each other. Rec- with a record, with a record, when I did mine, it was still, it was still in the friendly competition category. But after I did mine. That's when he unfollowed me. That's when he stopped the podcast. So to me, that's an official fallout. Yeah. Yeah. So so to me, that's no longer a battle. That's just a fallout. Mm-hmm. And I now I regret the song. That's why I never responded to what he did. Who you think won the battle? <laughs> <laughs> just musically. A- anybody can he can have it. He can have it. I don't I don't you know, it wasn't I'm not first of all, I don't think anybody I don't think anybody cares about um it never was about who rap, who can rap better, who can win in a battle. It never really was about that, man. It was just we sparked up conversation to have friendly conversation with a whole lot of different guys that speak to a whole lot of different audiences mm-hmm. all together, mm-hmm. so people can follow one 
clear, precise narrative. You know what I mean? Like, there was a point in my career where it was important to me to be the best lyricist. Mm -hmm. I I've grown from that. You know what I mean? So I mean, I think I think especially when you're talking about somebody like Lou, who who's so much different from how I am, it's just gonna come down to preference. Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't think what he what he did is him at his best, in my opinion, not from me as a fan, it's mm -hmm. him at his best. It was it was just sound like a bunch of angry shit, a bunch of angry, scathing shit mm -hmm. that he said because he was mad. I, I heard that about both of y'all, though. I heard that about both the, the projects, that both of the songs that y'all dropped. No, nah, it wasn't no, no Venom in mine. No, I'm, just, I'm not talking about the people just was like, oh, this isn't either one of their best, but I think it's because of the expectation. Because y'all are super lyricists, right? So you thinking Lupe and Royce going at each other. You about to hear some shit you ain't never heard before. No, it wasn't that kind of it wasn't that kind of um that kind of atmosphere. You know, it wasn't it wasn't planned for us to, you know, just go at each other like that. Everything just kinda happened spur of the moment. I blame the pandemic too. And then where did Mickey Fax come in? <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Fax just kinda he just kinda inserted himself. Yeah. He just kinda inserted himself into it. And um I think he just looked at it as an opportunity, <clears throat> opportunity to get in the mix because he gotcha. was one of the he was one of the people that was in, that was involved in the combo that we were having, you know. But so he, he was just, boosting it up like who would win between you and he okay. was he was one of the people kind of talking about it. Um, but after the me and Lou, Lou thing happened, I think he looked at it as an opportunity to jump in there because he jumped on the live stream with me, and he didn't he didn't like the fact that. Um, he was trying to get me to call him a top tier lyricist, and and I was just telling him I don't I don't view him as that, but I do think he's dope. And he thought since we were in front of an audience that I was trying to play him. And then Joe came in, and Joe Joe was kind of talking at him, you know what I'm saying? So he turned around and he did a did his diss record and shit. And I think it was um him and Lou were kind of like in cahoots with it because Lou was kind of like, all right, now you do that. That means I now. I don't have to. I don't have to respond back and say nothing. You know what I mean? I don't have to keep going back and forth because I think, I think part of part of Lou felt like that I had planned this shit the whole time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So he thought that I was gonna keep going. So that was one of the reasons why I made sure that I didn't respond because I didn't want it to even seem like that I was had even planned that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I I don't I don't want to I don't want I don't want to put Lou in the position to where he viewed a certain way. You know what I mean? Like that ain't what I'm here to do. You know what I mean? So I just, I just got, I kind of had to let it go. The Mickey Fax thing, people were like, "Yo, you got to respond. You got to respond." And that's exactly why I didn't respond. Don't fucking tell me I got to respond. <laughs> I do shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's another thing, man. The fan, the fans, or the followers, or whatever you want to call them, they think they think we work for them. You know, yeah. they think we like, you know, step and fetch it and shit. Like we just rap, we just rap when they say we should because they want to be entertained. And yo, that's cool too. We can rap competitively to entertain if that's what we agree to do, as long as we keep it respectful. But if it turns into a fallout and it turns into real personal feelings, I'm not interested in that, man. I I had enough of that in my career. Hip hop know? is exhausting. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and the male ego is so fragile. Like all of this stuff sounds like it's this one phone conversation could like dead so much of this. Yeah. I agree. Where 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 would we learn that communication from? Therapy. <laughs> name a rap name a rapper in therapy. Yeah, it ain't too many. It's more now you know what's so funny, it's more the younger generation that's embracing it than 
the the, uh, the old defeat people who probably really need to process some of that unhealed trauma. You know Lupe, what? Lupe, too, Lupe, see, he just too, he's so smart. He's so smart. He's too smart for his own good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that nigga don't think he need therapy. He needs therapy. He definitely needs therapy. But I mean, you know, dog, I, I got mad. I got mad love for Lou. Well, let's let's get back to the heaven experience. <laughs> it's out this week. You want to play what a time? Do I what? You want to play what a time? Yeah, let's play what a time. Right. Well, we appreciate you brothers for joining us. Thank you, featuring for Courtney me, Bell. Oh, it's good to see y'all, brothers. It's the, brothers. Earth. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Got my Prevna 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate 
or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.